The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present this recording from Saver 2013 in New York City. This salon is from Friday, June 14th. Experimental Hops and Small Batch Beers, featuring Chad Jacobson, Crooked Stave Artisan Beer Project, and Laura Bell from Bell's Brewery. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Saver. You guys are the absolute smart ones. You're getting in a half hour earlier, and you're going to get some fantastic beers. I'm John Hall of All About Beer Magazine, and I'm really thrilled to be here with our two presenters, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Just a few housekeeping items. Uh, you know that this is Saver, and it's brought to you by the Brewers Association, which is the National Trade Association representing small, independent craft brewers. Uh, this is also uh, supported by Manhattan Distributors and Spiegel Out Glassware. They're over in the back. You should check out their fine stuff uh, before you leave. Thank you, guys, definitely. Um, you have beers in front of you. We're going to go through about five beers tonight. Uh, if you've started drinking, stop. We're going to get to them as it goes, and we'll get to them very quickly so you won't have to wait all that long. Uh, and just as a bit of housekeeping, please, uh, if you have cell phones, put them on silent or vibrate or something just so that when we're talking... We're not interrupted by the Macarena or whatever your ringtone is. Uh, pictures are cool, of course, and per our presenters this evening, we're going to keep this very casual. It's a small setting. If you have questions as we're going along, raise your hand. It's a small enough room. You'll be able to ask your questions, and uh, you'll get them answered. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Laura Bell of the wonderful Bell's Brewery in Michigan and Chad Jacobson of Crooked Stave in Colorado. I got that right? in Colorado, and we are here to talk about experimental hops, and to you. Thank you so much, John. Um, Chad and I are really excited to be here today with you, uh, with you all. This is our first salon, so um, we're looking forward to seeing how this process goes and tasting some of these beers. Um, a little bit about myself, um, just to get going. My dad started Bell's Brewery in 1985. Um, we are celebrating our 28th anniversary this year, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'm the vice president of the company and um, do a lot of our marketing and government compliance and trademark law, all the fun stuff. And then I get to do things like this. So uh, looking forward to, to drinking some beers. I'm Chad Jacobson from Kruger Save Artisan Beer Project. We're located in Denver, Colorado. And a lot of the beers that we produce are barrel-aged, small batch, kind of either use 100% Britannomyces or our blends of barrel-aged saisons and, and various kind of wild beers. So tonight's, tonight's salon will be a very interesting one because it's talking about some of the experimental hops. So something that, as our brewery, we don't traditionally necessarily focus on, but it is actually still a very, very important focus and part of what we're doing. Awesome. Well, we'll talk about the first beer, and then we will kind of want to tell you guys a little bit about how and why we ended up doing a salon on experimental hop beers. So at, at Bell's, um, we've been working closely with um, some farmers in Yakima, some hop farmers who are doing some breeding programs for new, for new experimental hops. And one of the, the great things about going out to Yakima during harvest season is we get to walk the fields and smell those hops. So, you know, as we're walking through, you just grab them off the vine, rub them together, and see, see what you think. So all of the beers that we have tonight are beers that myself and John Mallett, our director of production, um, smelled in Yakima. And we thought, these are going to be something, or these could be something. So 
we'll take the hops, um, the, the hop farmers and the brokers will pelletize them or send whole cone, and then we'll brew with them and then send the beers that we make back to the farmers so they can see how these um, sort of new variations of hop, hops play in beer. So we're going to be tasting the first one. Uh, we have really creative names for these beers. It's called Experimental Hop 213-1. Um, it's the first one we made this year. And this is the second, it's the third year that we've been doing this program. So um, we made this one in the style of an American pale ale. Uh, it's Hop 468. So again, pretty creative. Um, one of the, the processes that we use at Bell's, we have a small 15-barrel brew house that we do all of these beers on. So this is what we call a no-minute style IPA or pale ale. So a little play off our friends at Dogfish Head. Um, so we don't actually put any of the hops in the kettle. We put them into the louder ton, and after it's done boiling, flush the wort back over them for about 30 minutes. So it's not aggressively bitter, but we feel like that process really gets some, really gets those hop qualities that we're looking for. So this one, um, we found that when we were smelling it in the field, it had a really lemon pledge, lemon crisp, sort of citrus tangerine flavor. And we think it showed up nicely in the beer. So let's drink some. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Um, so to talk a little bit about how we ended up doing this, so Chad called me a couple of months ago and said, hey, Laura, do you want to do a salon at Saver? And I thought, that could be fun. I like Chad. We like, we like talking. We like um, tasting beers. And we were going through the different things that we have in common. Um, and him being a smaller brewery and us being um, a fairly large-sized brewery, we were amazed at how many things we actually did have in common. And experimental hops was one of those. We both realized that for different reasons, we were using the same, some of the same hops from the same farms in Yakima. So we thought, wouldn't it be cool to get together and try some of these beers from two very different breweries uh, and talk about how they play into each of our cultures and each of our um, sort of decision-making creative process as we move forward. So, And again, if you guys have any questions as we move forward, uh, just raise your hand and let us know. Okay. Um, I guess one thing we did want to impress upon everyone was, I believe we have about 45 minutes tonight and about five beers to go through. Um, so in the next couple of minutes here, I think, actually maybe even right now, everyone's going to kind of be coming through and pouring the next one. Can I ask to the people pouring, is the number on the back of the bottle say 344 or 462? Three, four, four. Okay, all of them are three, four, four, correct? Perfect, because they happen to have the same label on them. Um, okay, so the, this first beer that's being brought about is both of them are Hop Savant, but it's Hop Savant that we split and then dry hopped differently with these experimental hops. So as Laura kind of spoke about, their, their expedition into hops and the way they use hops comes from them being out there during harvest, getting to see the hops, walking the fields with the, the farmers and the growers, and pulling off from the different lots where you are and asking the grower, you know, hey, what is this? We really like this. The grower says, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to pick this for you. We're either going to bale it or we're going to put it into cones and we're going to send it to you. It's a really, really neat aspect 
for us, we're not quite there yet to the point where we can you know, be able to go on these trips to Yakima. I, I really look forward to it because it's very, very educational. So instead, um, we're lucky enough to still have the connection with those hop growers somehow. And I kind of instead went about asking the growers, hey, you know, we have these beers that we're looking at and that we're doing. What do you have that you're not selling right now? What do you have that reminds you of you know, maybe tropical fruits or watermelon? Or, or what do you have that's new and excites you? So I left it up to the growers to pick what they thought they were excited in and then them to send it to us. I'll use it the way we use it in our beers. We can send it back to them. And they get that direct feedback because one of the really big things about hops is that you can, you can pick a hop, you can smell it, you can say, oh, these are amazing characteristics. But how does it translate into the beer? And that's the really neat aspect of actually what all of you tonight are getting to participate in. You're getting to taste hops, and you might find one and say, ah, that's, you know, that's not for me, that's not something I like. Or you might find a new one and, and be really floored with the, the experience you have with that hop because these are hops that, well, basically no one's ever tasted before because this is the first time many of them are ever going into beer. It's just part of the R&D process. So for us at Crooked Stave, um, you know, I, I talked about that the beers that we brew are 100% Britannomyces or wild beers. So Hop Savant is our take on sort of an pale ale or IPA, except that we're fermenting it with uh, this yeast called Britannomyces. And with that, yeast is very, very important to the characteristic that comes with the hops. So we're looking at how does this yeast then work with experimental hops. So as we go back and forth between the beers tonight, you'll notice a different character in the fermentation, in the flavors that come from fermentation, and then the flavors that come from the hops. So the crispness, how they show through, secondary characteristics, Britannomyces. And so it should be a really educational experience this night getting to try those. Um, I should maybe talk a little bit about the hop. So the hop 344, again, it comes from, they're, they're called HBC 344. These are for names. stands for the... Um, Hop Breeders, let me see. Hop Breeders, Hop Breeders Cooperative? That sounds right. Um, ours came from Peralt Family Farm, specifically from Jason Peralt, who sent them out, and Bells as well. Uh, I think they're you know, far and away the, one of the most um, progressive uh, when it comes to hops and everything. You hear much more about them. So 344 was a hop where I was asking for something that was uh, violet, lavender, and fruity. And so we were sent out three different hops to see what we thought kind of of the aroma profile there, whether it was floral or citrusy or, or stronger, uh, more heady characteristics. The 344 uh, was used lighter than the next one we'll try afterwards. So the hopping rate on this is just about at about a pound per barrel. Um, so very keeping it with a pale ale, keeping it lighter. And so the hop characteristic in this is softer, fruity, much, much lighter notes. Um, we get a big watermelon characteristic, which is really, really neat out of it. So if you think about, you know, light, red, juicy, summertime kind of watermelon, you get some of that fruit characteristic. And it kind of plays off the yeast as well. So the yeast that we're using and the way we ferment with it is a little tropical fruit, earthy, um, you know, I guess kind of earthy really brings it together, I guess, for me. Um, but you get those kind of grassy, hay lemon notes as well. Yeah. So, question, is it, it is. It's a, it's a Britannomyces bruxellensis strain. 
Can we, will you, um, just as a, will you repeat the question when uh, they yes. ask us? Yeah, so the question was about the yeast that we were using, uh, what type of Britannomyces, and uh, it's specifically a Britannomyces bruxellensis strain. Um, one of the big differences between Germany and the U.S. is Germany is very specific about who the father is, who the mother is, how many, um, you know, back linkages and the, the entire heritage. And in Yakima, they get to be extremely secretive about it. So you might hear every once in a while, this is the daughter of Simcoe, or this was bred with this, but, um, they still keep things pretty secretive. So I have no clue for any of the hops we use. Um, we just smell them and like them, you know, and don't ask too many questions. Yeah. I, I wish I knew more. That's, I love that kind of science aspect, need to know everything about everything, uh, and I don't get the answers that I'm looking for. It's a natural process. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they are uh, very specifically. I, I think they try and make it sound a little more uh, art, artist sometimes, like, yeah, we're working on this, we're working on that. Uh, but it is a very selective breeding program, purposely looking at very direct traits. Um, so the question was about using the Britannomyces yeast and producing the hoppy beers and kind of the what I'm looking for and the direction of the... At this time, it's extremely experimental, so we're trying to play around with it. One of the interesting aspects about the beers that are brewed with Britannomyces and hops is that when this beer is young, um, at this point, it's been in the bottle for... Um, I think we're around four or five weeks that it's been in the bottle. It's very interesting to taste uh, all the way out here in New York compared to when I was having it just a couple days ago uh, in Denver. Because in Denver, it was much more subdued in the hop character, or sorry, in the, uh, in the yeast character. Instead, it was much more hop forward. So it's interesting to see what happens when they travel. But really what we're looking at is in the very beginning, when we first... Um, When we first do the beer, you have to try them all, right? Uh, when we first do the beer, what we're really looking to do is uh, have no Britannomyces character. I'm really looking to impress upon the fact that this is a pale ale. We can ferment the beer very clean, and we want to show off everything about the hops. So while we're you know, doing it with Britannomyces, and it's, they're actually um, all 100% wood fermented as well, uh, but yet that has nothing to do with the profile of the beer. It's all about how can we get the aroma and the flavor. So therefore, it's all about the hops. And then it's just selecting the hops. Over time, the Britannomyces will play up, and we want to see what happens there too. That's part of the experiments. But in the beginning, it's what does this hop do? What does it get us? Awesome. Well, before we take any more questions, I'll just talk about um, the... Our next beer, Bell's next beer, EXP Hop 2013-2. Um, so when we decide to brew a beer, you know, when we take this experimental hop from the farm, you know, when we smelled this one, we got diesel, we got dank, we got a little bit of onion and garlic. It was a really big hop. 
and our cellar manager just fell in love with it. He just thought that this was, this was the best. And so we thought, well let's, well, let's get some. Let's take it back and try it. Um, each, of our, each of our EXP beers um, will take the hop, and then it doesn't have to be, obviously, the same base beer. So we'll think about a style that might fit with what that hop and, and how that hop could be best utilized. So this one, um, we did a black IPA for it. We're calling it Kalamazoovian Black Hoppy Ale. Um, it's Experimental Hop 431. And again, you can smell that diesel, that dank, that pine. It's resinous. It's sticky. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty big beer. Um, and it certainly has some lingering bitterness to it. Um, one of the things that we, we really like about these beers is we get to pour them at our pub. So in Kalamazoo, we have a, a, a pub with 40 different draft lines on it. And we try to at least have one or two experimental hot beers on at all times. So when we have them on, we really like to use that pub as an R&D facility. So each of these EXP hot beers, some of them have been really successful, and some of them haven't been so successful. But the ones that have been have, been, have turned into beers that we brew, you know, occasionally at the pub or turn into specialties that we get to send out. One of the most popular ones was a, a hop called EXP Hop 369, um, which we have used for the last three or four years um, from the farmer and, and trying different styles with it. We ended up with a really great uh, uh, red IPA style beer called Roundhouse um, with that 369 hop that then became Mosaic. So the more us brewers are using these hops and that are trying these out and finding success with them, the, the better feedback the farmers get and when it's really positive feedback, then they can say, okay, this is a hop that we want to turn into something that's commercially available to everybody. So we were really excited to be part of that process in developing that hop into being something that's um, becoming fairly popular among craft brewers. Um, one of our biggest challenges as Bells, um, we're going to brew about 250,000 barrels of beer this year. So it's a, it's a lot of beer. And our biggest thing as a company is how do we... How do we get big and stay small at the same time? And these beers you're tasting, this is how we're small still. And so it's a lot of fun to be able to um, still be home brewers, you know, still, um, still get a little weird with beer, and, uh, and get to serve it to our customers. So I'm really excited that you guys get to try these tonight because these have never left Kalamazoo. So um, if you have feedback on them, we want to hear it because I'm actually going to get to take that back and talk about it with our brewers, with our cellar folks, and, uh, and with the hop growers. Do you like it? Thumb is it thumbs up? Yeah. All right. Uh, the question was, what was the hop schedule for these beers? Um, this one, I know that we've dry hopped it twice. Um, one pound per barrel warm and then a half pound per barrel cold. Um, in terms of um, during the kettle, uh, relatively early kettle hopping and then dry hop. So I know uh, with Bells as much as same uh, for Crooked Stave, it... It can differ a lot. So for the beers that we're doing, we're really trying to accentuate on the aroma and flavor. So you will notice that in, in both the Crooked State beers tonight, um, but I guess as, as well in these a lot as well, the bitterness is not so present as much as the flavor and the aroma are. In order to kind of capture that characteristic, you are using very, very late kettle additions um, for 
some of these beers sometimes, we're always changing it, always playing around, looking at what happens if we add it with five minutes left in the boil, what happens if we don't add any into the boil and we add it the second we turn boil off, or beginning a whirlpool, or 10 minutes into whirlpool, or none of that, like the first beer that we had from Bell's, and instead, the first hop addition is what's considered you know, like a hop back addition. So the beer leaves the kettle and then goes either through a bed of hops, maybe has a period of time where it sits on the hops, and then is able to keep going through and be sent out. So there's a lot of different ways. In the two beers we have tonight, we're really um, talking about the, the dry hopping, because the dry hopping is where the hop characteristic for the hops that we used it are coming from. But you do get a significant amount of aroma and flavor from these late kettle additions. The question is, how long are we dry hopping these beers for? Um, say with the specific beers tonight, because I mean, Bell's makes so many different hoppy beers and there's so many different hop schedules for it. It's like, well, which one? I know, and I'm sorry. I don't know that answer, but I will find out and I'll get back to you. Um, I'm playing around with that now because it's, that's a very important aspect to the beers, what happens. So I am asking friends at Bell's, well, what are you doing this time? Asking friends at Firestone Walker, asking friends at, Od well, I, at Odell's, at different places, and then trying to put together our regimen because it's different. It's different based on the yeast. It's different based on the hop. It's different based on the temperature you ferment at. So many variables. Um, essentially, what we're doing right now is about splitting the hop addition into two and dry hopping a little bit. For us, it's a little bit after fermentation because fermentation takes a while because of the Britannomyces. So we've had to adjust for that. And then another hop addition a couple days later and then crashing, transferring, packaging. So you don't, you don't dry hop after, after you've crashed then? After you've turned down the temp? Not currently. That might be what I do next time in about a week here. That's, that's what we do at Bell's. So um, all of these have, have been dry hopped, both warm uh, and cold as well. Um, I believe it's a mix of both things. I think that when you look at the availability of a lot of the cool, sexy hops, um, there are a couple brower, growers that, um, they're the only ones growing things like Citra or Amarillo, and there's not a wide variety, or I, I mean a wide, um, there's not a large amount for all of us, and as there are more brewers coming in that want these cool, sexy hops, We've got to look to other avenues to get some of those characteristics that we really like out of those, but maybe through different avenues. Um, some of the ones that we were smelling out in Yakima last year, we thought, this is an Amarillo, but it's just as good. And if we, for some reason, didn't have Amarillo or didn't have Citra, we could use to replace it. So I think there's that part of it, and then I think there is that part of um, developing new, bigger, different flavors. Certainly, I think about that when I taste the 431, the black, the black IPA here is not a common, it doesn't taste like a lot of things I've had before. So I think in terms of innovation, we can use them to, to, to drive styles a little bit differently. We at Bell's don't necessarily brew to style. We don't really give a shit, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think in that way we get to, we get to play around, we get to see what works. And then we also get to use some of these experimental hops as um, potential replacements for other beers. So, um, so one, of the, one of the big things, I think, with that is that it, it's both. 
uh, as far as your question goes. So if you look at it, say, from a grower's aspect, where that is where it starts from, at the end of the day, is what the growers are doing. So for the growers, it's going to be important that, you know, maybe it's mildew-resistant or um, doesn't have problems with viruses anymore or that it has a good yield or is hardy because they also need to be able to um, produce these hops, produce them in large enough volumes, and to make it viable for them. They might make an amazing hop with an amazing aroma, but if it's not something that's going to be viable from an economic standpoint, then it's, well, it's not going to work, and, and we're not going to have it. So we're going to have this really cool hop, and then it's going to be gone, and then no one's going to really be happy with it. And so that's part of all the experimentals is that for them, it must hit a certain amount of criteria, the same way you might select yeast. And so they must have these criteria. Back in the, I think it was really through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, they had kind of the hop arm race where they were trying to get high alpha acids. And the reason for this was the higher the alpha acids on the brewer's side, the less hops you needed, the less you needed to buy, the less you needed to store. And for, in some ways, I believe that, that hurt the growers a little bit, and then it went back to a lot of Willamette, depending on which brewery you were, and then there started to become more. And so where we're at now is a very interesting place where the growers understand what they need. It's not all about high alpha acids because we're not up here talking about how bitter these beers are. In fact, I hope that's the only time we mention that throughout the night. Instead, what we're looking at is aroma and flavor. So it's not so much about the alpha acids, it's about those really cool, unique flavors. The greatest line that I've ever heard is, comes from um, Bell's production manager, John Mallett, when he was standing up there one time. And he goes, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, when a lot of the hops were being driven by Coors and Budweiser, and still is, I mean, they're the largest consumers of hops in the world, yes, those larger brewers. They weren't looking for a hop whose characteristic was the cat just ate my weed and pissed on the Christmas tree. <laughs> and that's exactly what these are, and it's awesome. That's also his description of Hop Slam, too, so, you know. That's the best. If you can remember that, I've somehow held that with me, and I've been waiting forever to be able to say it. So thank you, John Mallet from Bells. Uh, but it's very true. That quote got printed, and I didn't know about it, and as marketing director, I went, oh, my God, you know, oh, no, what have we got going on? But it's true. It's very true. Yeah, so this one's the 462. Um... 462, I found to be stronger. Uh, one of my descriptors was um, it, the descriptor that gets used for Simcoe oftentimes is kind of, well, Columbus as well is kind of dank. Simcoe gets piney, citrus, dank, resinous. This was resinous, aromatic, Simcoe-esque, um, some really nice characteristics. I didn't see it being so much floral and so much fruity as much it was that bigger, uh, brashier kind of hop characteristic. So we bumped it up and we're like, you know, let's see what happens when we use it in a larger volume. So you get a little bit more of that tactile, resiny sort of characteristics out of it. The question is between the United States and New Zealand. Uh, who do you no, think is good. making it's the most interesting hops right now? <laughs> my, I think my, actually, um, my still favorite hop right now, maybe it just because it kind of holds a warm place in my heart, because it's what led to Hop Savant, actually comes from Australia. 
which is the Galaxy Hop. So Galaxy is amazing. Uh, New Zealand did a really good job doing research for quite a while. So the hops that they took and bred and put together, all of a sudden are like, bam, here they are. So all these neat things, um, they used to have pretty boring names for them because they were just calling it basically the hop that they used to breed, and, but, but just putting New Zealand on the front of it. Now all of a sudden they're using uh, Maori names for them, uh, which is the New Zealand indigenous. And so they have really cool names, they have really cool descriptors. You definitely have to be careful with them, but just as you do um, the American varieties as well. So I think there's a lot of flashy hops coming out. Um, I just hope that they stay available. New Zealand's a very small country. Um, they grow relatively small amounts of stuff and they're, they're big and growing. And so New Zealand as well has an awesome craft brewing industry starting. Australia does too, uh, Southeast Asia. So I hope that they just remember where they got all their cool hops from first and we continue to keep getting them. Plus, um, you know, maybe in the next five or 10 years, uh, all these Amarillo and Simcoe and these things that are cool right now, they'll be, you know, even newer ones. It's kind of part of the reason for doing this is these might be the, the Amarillo and the Citra of the future in five years. There might be none of these hops available anymore because everyone's using them. So it's beautiful to see where trends go and how it works and for, yeah, us to get to be up here. And again, back to that kind of the point about innovation, like that's what we're hoping to do, you know, um, in five or ten years, if one of these is, if, if we got to be in on sort of that ground level of helping develop this hop and saying, you know, we really like this, talking to our farmers, being able to make sure that they're, that they know, because a lot of that is just feedback to know that this is being really successful, and be it from New Zealand or from, uh, from the Pacific Northwest, um, it's going to be better for us in the long run. So... Yeah, so the question was about, I guess I kind of alluded that uh, Amarillo and some of these hops might go away. Um, and, and no, I, I definitely don't think that would happen. Uh, I guess I was taking the more extreme uh, sort of role. But, but what would be really neat is hops, though, that were um, Nugget. Nugget is one of the big ones that was phenomenal. And Chinook, these were two that really stood out back during kind of the, the alpha arms race and are, are still staple hops but no one really talks about them anymore. And I just would find it really ironic if one day Amarillo and Citra were like, oh yeah, you know, Amarillo and Citra, yeah, we love those. I remember we used to use them, but oh, you know, I'm really floored and jazzed about this new hop. It would just be really ironic because right now, none of us can get enough Amarillo and Sipco. I, I never remember how much is on my contract. And I got to call up, I'm like, did, did, did I have Amarillo 3 this year? How much do we have next year again? Where am I at? because it's so hard to get, it's so hard to be able to contract for it. You, you have to be three, four years out um, trying to forecast for it. And it would just be ironic if all of a sudden it was available. But that's the direction it's you know, possibly moving. Very, very exciting times in brewing. It's interesting too, um, particularly for some of those um, more cool, sexy hops, I like to call them, that there are only certain farmers that grow those varietals. So you know, a lot, some, of these, some of these varieties aren't open to everybody, kind of going back to some proprietary um, breeding. So as brewers, it's a, it makes it a little bit more of a challenge for us if we, kind of like Chad was talking about, if we depend on, let's say, Amarillo to make a beer, 
then we need to be working with that farmer, working with our broker, so that we know that in two, three, four, five years, we're still going to have that, that hop so that our brand can still be viable. Um, I think about our beer, Two Hearted. Um, so it's a 100% it's centennial hop beer. We plan out two, three, four, five years to have those hop contracts. I believe we're the largest purchaser of Centennial in the country. So if there was something to happen with that, if, a, if the growers decided, eh, maybe we don't want to do this anymore, um, that's, you know, that's going to affect our business a lot. So it's really about those relationships. It's about that conversation. It's about putting the time in. Um, we at Bell say, you know, we need to have good input to have good output and those relationships and um, being able to talk with them to say, yeah, we, we really like Amarillo, we really like Citra, we really like Centennial, and we want to invest in your farms and what you're doing so that our business can continue to grow and we can have sustainable brands. Um, so. And it, it, oh. I think I can speak for both of us, maybe. Um, at least for Bell's, we pretty much do what we want to do. Um, I think when my dad started, you know, craft beer obviously was not popular and you had to try to force someone to even try it. And we've always had that attitude that we're going to make really good beer, we're going to make beer we want to drink, and, you know, if it's a new hop, if it's an old hop, if it's our house yeast, we're just going to, we're going to do what tastes good and what feels right. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, it's, it's true. It's kind of... I guess the directions maybe that your breweries go. So for us at, at Crooked Stave, a lot of what I do, I, I guess kind of that sciencey side that is part of the breweries was for the founding of the brewery uh, from the research I did, we're still always doing research. So when I talk about the beers, I talk about them like they're experiments. And I guess if you're always experimenting, it's likely that we're always gonna be um, you know, forging new ground and looking for something new. Uh, so we're probably really fortunate that uh, instead of making beer, I make experiments. It just happens to taste like beer. Um, and hopefully that will keep us going down what is a very fun path. So. Um, see, I think there's like eight fooders, 160 barrels, and no, it, it's um, just within each project. It, you know, Hop Savant, for example, uh, you know, there's a little box on the back for us to put the experimental hop number, we change the hops every batch, so what we're packaging um, on Monday when I get back is uh, Simcoe and Centennial hop blend that we did. I was on the phone today. I think the batch that we'll be brewing on Tuesday, I'm going to do All Galaxy again, which is where Hop Savant stems from. So it's this beer that it continually changes the hops because we're always looking to, uh, to play around with new hops, to dry hop it differently. And same thing for, you know, even our other one, St. Brett beer, St. Bretta. We change the, the citrus in it seasonally, so we're always rotating it through. And I don't know if we'll ever even go back to the same citrus. And every kind of beer is that way. We continue to make tweaks, continue to do stuff, find new wood, find new oak. Um, our VAR Saison gets dry hopped differently every single time. Now it's got Matueka in it. Um, it's just, it's just part of it, and how I you know, do a different process and how we transfer the beer or how we do this, every single part of it. So it's just each step of the way, new experiments. But then there's looking at new yeast and, oh, this new brew house, we're installing this new equipment, and we have this to be able to do. And it just keeps changing, keeps changing, keeps experimenting, keeps the, you know, playing with the little variables and the little tweaks.
And, uh, and we're a little bit different. Um, you know, all of our established brands are brands that we don't, at this point, mess around with too much. Um, I think that the, the emails coming in, if we change something, you know, it's, it's prohibitive. But that's where we look to our pub, to our pub brewery, to be able to make some of these experimental beers. Um, because while we love making Oberon and Two Hearted, you know, it's, uh, we're still, we're, we're also the geeky nerds who like to mess around with beers and mess around with flavors and mess around with different temperatures and yeasts. And, um, and it's not always experimental hops. You know, we, we just brewed a beer with lemon verbena and fermented it at 80 degrees and it was awful. It was really, really bad. Uh, and it was a recipe that I had worked on with our brewer because I thought, oh, maybe this is going to work and it didn't. So, you know, it's nice to be able to have that flexibility to think about things and when things go wrong, because they will, that's okay. You know, we, we drink them, we see what we, we did wrong and then we try it again. So we get to try it again. Always. You know, I think it would get boring if it didn't. That's the benefit of having a craft brewery. I mean, you get to constantly keep innovating and keep trying new things because it's, um, it's a passion. You're excited about it. You want to. Well, I think that maybe not, not, so, not that it's so bad, but what, what happens at Bell's is um, some of our growers and our brokers out in, in the Pacific Northwest will put together a selection of experimental hops. So there's the ones that we go and say, yes, we want to try this, yes, we want to try this. Um, and then there's also some that come in from the farms directly just to say, hey, will you have your staff rub through these hops, see what they think, see what they smell like, give us some feedback, is this something you're interested in? And there are certainly some of those that are ones that we say, thank you, but no thank you. Um, but Again, it's, it's that partnership giving feedback because then they can say, you know what, instead of planting more rows of this one, maybe we'll focus on ones that, um, that got better, better review. So we actually fill out a survey at Bell's too. So each, each little block of hops comes with, you know, do you like this? What did you think about it? What, what kinds of um, characteristics did you pick up while you were smelling them? Um, so I think you all have the last beer from Bell's, is that correct? Is it already all gone? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, this one is EXP 2013-3. Um, it's Hot 291. And this was one that we, um, we don't have any rubbing notes for. Uh, growers sent it, so we, uh, so we brewed with it. And we found that it was really citrus, floral, spicy. I think this one is a little bit more subdued out of all of them, but I think it's still really nice. Uh, and we dry hop this one with um, a pound per barrel. So a decent amount to, to get some of those aromatic qualities. And it's also 40% rye malt. So I think that that's where a lot of the earthiness comes from. Do you like this one too? Can I take it back and say yes? It's good? Okay. Well, we're getting uh, close to the end of our time. Um, while we still have maybe five or ten minutes, five minutes or so, is, are there any other questions that we can help answer? Yeah. So kind of a, the question was, you know, forget demand on hops, forget anything for your brewery, what would it be? So is the question, like, what's our favorite hop? Or what is you know, the hop, or if you could, 
Or if you had to just use one hop forever, what would it be? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are we on Beer Advocate right now? Because that's what this feels like. <laughs> you. Well, I'm trying to think about that. this. Um, Centennial, probably just for practical purposes, if we could get one hop forever, that's, that's the one. Um, trying to think. Give me just a second. You go. Actually, uh, There's so many good ones. Not to choose the same hop, but Centennial is awesome. And it's, if there's ever anything and I start trying to think too hard about hops, I'm like, oh, let's just use Centennial. It's such a good hop. It's so versatile and it just is fresh and piney and punchy and, and delicious and, you know, uh, certainly for IPAs, for Two Hearted, um, we like to, we like balance. We like to be able to taste the hop, smell the hop, as opposed to uh, overwhelming, overwhelming bitterness that makes you feel like you want to scrape your tongue after you've had a, after you've had an IPA. And I think Centennial hops are ones that when used correctly can really um, just be so satisfying. If, basically what I would say is, if anyone has not had um, Bell's Two-Hearted at the Eccentric Cafe, uh, you must do that. And once Please you do, come visit us. you will realize that Centennial is the best hop in the world. This tangerine, it's lovely. Any other questions? Well, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, just as the hop growers have their secrets, Bell's also has our secrets. I will tell you that it is dry hopped with a generous amount of Simcoe. Um, we use about six or seven different varietals depending on the year. Sometimes they do change up a little bit. Um, but it's a blend of Pacific Northwest and Southern Hemisphere hops. So, I can tell you that. Huh? Yeah. We get a lot of, we get a lot of that question a lot. Um. I think that it's a little bit of both. So um, Two Hearted has been around, just to use it as an example, um, since it's our biggest selling IPA, Two Hearted's been around since the mid-90s. Um, back then, Centennial was obviously not a well-known hop. It was um, not mass-produced. And I think that my dad um, probably just looked at whatever he could afford at the time, you know, and thought, oh, well, I can get some Centennial. Let's try this out. You know, and then once they, that, that initial purchase happens, that initial brew, and then they say, whoa, 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 this is something that's really good. Um, and then it's just people drinking it. It's been amazing how, um, like, Bells didn't have a marketing department until about four years ago. So all of the hype, all of the excitement about IPAs uh, is, cu is customer driven. So it's, it's people trying it, liking it, and asking for more. So... If I could explain it better than that, I would. At least, at least for Bells, um, we've been really, really fortunate. As a beer drinker, I think that it's really um, driven by the drinker. Certainly, brewers are excited to use hops and play around and do, um, you know, as we kind of sit up here today and tell you about these experimental hops and these different ways of using them. But that's, in many ways, relatively new from this aspect. I think a lot of it is that. Brewers enjoy making these IPAs. You know, a lot of the beers that we made were British, so we took an IPA 
did the American thing and made it huge and flavorful and big and big. And drinkers liked it. Um, hops aren't for everyone, but they're for a lot of drinkers. And I know that a lot of times I want something with a lot of flavor and that's hop driven. So you kind of look for those. Well? Yeah. Well, we just want to say thank you so much. Um, we hope that you had a good time and enjoyed the beers. I'm sure we'll be hanging out afterwards if there was anything that you thought about that you, you didn't ask that you'd like to. Also, we both have tables downstairs with some other excellent beers, so please come visit us. You'll see us down there. And, uh, and thanks again. And here's John Hall. Thank you very much, everyone. So again, Chad and Laura, everybody. And thanks to you guys. Thanks to our supporters, Manhattan Beer Distributors and Spiegel Out Glass. And the technical wizards, the passionate technical wizards of craftbeerradio.com are in the back. They recorded this salon. They're going to record all the salons. And within a couple of days, it'll be up on craftbeer.com. So you can listen to this, relive the memories, have a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy your evening at Savor. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2013, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2013, as well as all the salons from previous years at craftbeerradio.com slash savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.